glad that you have joined us today. We have Pastor Nancy coming to preach to us this morning. It's always an honor to have her in the house. So give it up for Pastor Nancy. Good afternoon. How are you guys? Feels good to be back here. You guys ready for chapel this morning? Awesome. Why don't you guys get your notes ready, your computer. Definitely open up your Bibles. We are going to be diving in. I do want to just share my heart a little bit. Man, the presence of God is really sweet in this place when you guys are in chapel. It's, it's different and it's for you. So please cherish your Mondays. I know it is a long day for you. I know it takes out a lot of your emotion, your energy. It can be draining, but your spirits are being made strong every single time you're gathered together. So work hard. Do it for the Lord. Do all that you're doing is onto the Lord. Every test that you're studying for, every paper that you're writing, and just know that he will always meet you to fill you up. Amen? Emotionally, physically, mentally, hide yourself in Jesus. Remain in the vine. Amen? And you will flourish. So um, the title of my message today is Joseph, from a humble beginning to a place of leadership. Turn to your Bibles to Genesis 37 and just have it ready there. We're going to be overseeing pretty much the chapters that encompass the story of Joseph and his life from Genesis 37 to 50. And I want to give you an outline before we get into specific passages from his story. How many of you guys love the story of Joseph? It has to be one of my favorite, yours too. I mean, he is such an amazing example of what it means to fear the Lord and walk in God's favor and fulfill God's plan for his life in the midst of so much trouble. But then you just see God silently working in the background. And it is such a story of vengeance and faithfulness. And I'll get into that. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it is one of my favorites. A close second would probably be the story of Esther and then probably Ruth. So, And all three of those stories, you just see God's hand orchestrating so much. And you guys have to keep that in mind. God is orchestrating your life. He is directing your steps. And the Bible says that in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So you may have an idea of what's going to happen, of how you're going to get there, but please be open to God intervening, for God ruining, quote-unquote, messing up your plans, because he's the one that's going to direct your steps. Amen? So from chapters 37 to 50, we see the entire life of Joseph. Uh, chapter 37 begins with Joseph as a 17-year-old young man, and chapter 50 is when he passes away. From chapters 37 to 45, we see Joseph's dreams begin at 17 years old to the time he makes himself known to his brothers. Now follow with me because I want to break this down a little bit. He was sold into slavery at 17 years old, and then 13 years later, when he was 30 years old, was when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and was put second in command. Isn't that amazing? He was sold into slavery at 17, and then 13 years later, he, he was taken out of slavery, out of prison, 
and then put into a place of leadership. Then after that, after he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and was put in second in command, the seven years of plenty came upon Egypt where he had married, he had his two sons. And then in the second year of the famine was when Joseph's brothers came down to Egypt and Joseph was 39 years old. So from 17 to 30, he was a slave and he was imprisoned 13 years. They're not exactly sure of the breakdown of how long he was a slave in Potiphar's house and how long he was in prison. I've, I've seen different numbers, so I don't want to quote anything right now, but just in total, 13 years of slavery and imprisonment and then put in a place of leadership. But then nine years still had to pass by before his brothers came to town. And that's a big deal because from 17 to 39, he had to wait for his dreams to come true. Total of 22 years passed before Joseph saw his dreams fulfilled. Are you guys ready to wait that long? Dude, 13 years of those years, he was enslaved. He said, no, well, you better wait. <laughs> 13 years, he was enslaved, imprisoned, and the remaining seven years, he had assumed a place of leadership. But up to that point, before his brothers came, he probably still did not understand why God had allowed him to, grow, to go through all that he endured. He probably didn't connect the dots yet, and you'll see in the text. In fact, the names that he gave to his sons had very specific meanings that point to Joseph's acceptance of where God had placed him at that time, even though he may not have been, um, it may not have been what Joseph himself planned for his life. Manasseh means it is because God has made me forget all my trouble in my father's household. So you see, at that point, he's like, I don't get it. This is crazy that this happened to me, but I'm blessed. I am blessed and highly favored. He has caused me to forget all of my trouble and all of my father's household. He is like written them off. He's like, I am, I'm in a new place. I am in a new man, and there's no going back. It's, he, he accepted it. And then Ephraim means it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So he knew he suffered long and hard, but he still gave glory to God. He still knew that God was with him. Amen? So how many of you know that God never forgets his promises? Do you believe that God will keep his promise to you? God never forgot about Joseph for one moment. And then for us reading the story, we can see, because we have the bird's eye view of everything that happens, that God was with him every step of the way. But how many of you guys know when you're facing trial and tribulation and test, it feels like God can be very far. But we have to know, and we have to believe, and we have to declare his word that he is close, that he is closer than a brother. We see firsthand how God works behind the scenes to bring his plan into fruition in our lives. He will do it for you. He did it for Joseph, and he will do it for you. We must always trust that Jesus will work all things out for our good. Never forget that you serve a faithful God who will never leave you and never forsake you. He is not a man that he should lie. His promises are yes and amen. He is for you and not against you. He has plans to prosper you and not to destroy you, to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe that? Come on. He has plans to prosper you. At the same time, you must reciprocate that faithfulness and loyalty right back to him because he's worthy. So we want God to be faithful to us every step of the way. But you have to be faithful back to God. 
So let's dive in into the points that I have for us this morning. Turn to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read from 1 to 11. Let's glean from Joseph's life and uh, learn how we can uh, be enabled to be great leaders like him. So point number one for those taking notes, and I want to see Lawrence taking notes today because I don't want him to be the cool cat. No, I'm just joking. Got to tease on you a little bit. Are you taking notes, though, on your phone? Cool. I had to pick on you. Number one, Joseph declared his dreams despite opposition and persecution. Okay? Joseph declared his dreams despite opposition and persecution. Let's read in Genesis 37, 1 through 11. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of, ja of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his, brother, his father's wives, and he brought, them, uh, he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Joseph declared his dreams despite opposition and persecution. Some preachers want to share that part of the story of Joseph's life and make it appear like as if he was bragging and Joseph was just prideful and arrogant and that God needed to teach him a lesson, you know, to like to humble him. But I don't see it that way because it's not really stated in the passage and I don't even really believe that it's implied. And if you want to take it that way, that's fine. But he shared, he had a dream, he shared it with them. I mean, what's the big deal, right? The real problem is that those to whom Joseph was sharing this God-given insight to were full of hatred and jealousy, except for his father. But for him, he just didn't understand it. They didn't understand how to translate that message. God was speaking. And so you'll encounter people in your life who may not understand what God has called you to do. In life, you will be faced with haters. Look to your neighbor and say, haters gonna hate. Come on. You will be faced with haters. You will be faced with people in your life who do not understand the call of God, the plan that he has for you. Others may think that you're out of your mind, but you must stand firm in the face of opposition and persecution. This may directly come from your family and those closest to you. Some of you in this room feel completely all alone when it comes to your family and their support of your call. But God is with you. He is your Savior. He is your Redeemer. He is the Lord who sees you. 
You heard Pastor Lauren share her testimony when she preached a few chapels ago of answering the call to ministry and going to Bible college. That was hard. Whatever place you see yourself in life, you have to know that answering the call of God and sharing the dream that God has for you must be spoken, must be shared. You have to stand firm with it, no matter what persecution and opposition that you face. Remember that just because things get tough, it doesn't mean that God is not in the business of making all your crooked paths straight. When things get hard, it doesn't automatically mean that God has left you or that you made the wrong choice in following him and pursuing what he put on your heart. Following God's plan and remaining in his will for your life does not mean it's always going to be easy. There can be easy moments that everything is going to be like thorns on your path. You know what I'm saying? But for the most part, for most of us, we're going to face resistance. People are going to be against you and you have to be ready for that. The enemy will be all over you because you answered the call of God. He is like a roaring lion. He isn't a roaring lion. He pretends to be like a roaring lion and he's waiting and prowling around to see who he can devour. But you must resist him. You must stand your ground. You must put on your full armor every single day and say, I'm ready to fight. I do want to preface, though, that there are going to be instances in your life where you do want to use discretion regarding who you share things with when it comes to certain dreams that God is speaking to you. But you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. There may be things that he shares with you that he wants to keep to yourself for a season. But I'm talking about the big picture, the, the big picture dream of your life, of what God is calling you to. Be confident in that. Pursue it with everything that you have. So declare it boldly. Declare your uh, calling boldly, confident in the dream that God put on your heart. We should not be fearful of what others think or say or what they might do. We must not be timid about uh, who he has called us to be and what he's called us to accomplish. Joseph shared his dreams despite opposition and persecution. Number two, Joseph experienced promotion. Write that down. Joseph experienced promotion. Let's turn to Genesis 39, and let's read verses 1 through 6. You guys got to work that word today. I know it's going to be up here on the screen, but I want you to journey through your pages this morning. Genesis 39, 1 through 6. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He lived in his house, guys. He brought him into his home. Keep that in mind. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Everything that Potiphar owned was entrusted to Joseph's care. This is a slave that he bought, brought into his own home, and put him in charge of everything. Let that sink in for a moment. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. People around you should be blessed because you're in their life. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. 
both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. Again, everything was under Joseph's care. Favor of God. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Can we leave you in charge and not be concerned about anything except the food we eat? Come on, think about that for a little bit. But let's get into the text. This is going to be a two-point uh, two point. Number two, Joseph experienced promotion. 2A, 2A, he had favor with God and man. That is huge. The Lord was with Joseph, and God caused him to prosper. Everything you touch should prosper. Every area of your life, you should be oozing with the favor of God. Potiphar, the enemy, the bad guy, the one that bought him, the taskmaster, the outsider, favored Joseph so much that he brought Joseph into his home and with him in charge and put him in charge of everything. He did not concern himself with nothing other than eating his breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Joseph lived a life where he experienced the favor of God and had the favor of man. And you should too. You should too. Turn to Proverbs 3, 1 through 4 quickly, please. Proverbs 3, 1 through 4. Don't lose your place in Genesis because we're going to go back to Genesis. But I want us to read these verses in Proverbs and I want you to understand that every single one of you can and should be walking in the, uh, in the favor of God and in the favor of man. Are you guys there? Yes. Proverbs 3, 1 through 4. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. How many of you want peace and prosperity to mark your future? Even though we go through trials and hardships and disaster might come near us, I want you to know that peace and prosperity can still be yours. How do you do it? Don't forget the teachings that you received. Do not forget the commands of the Lord. Put them in your heart. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That's how you do it. Walk faithfully before your God. Keep his commands. Be led in love and faithfulness in all that you do. In Luke 2.52 it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus did that too. You should be growing in stature, in your leadership development. You should be growing in wisdom, in knowledge, in your understanding. That's why you're at school. Keep growing. Keep applying the word of God to your life. And you will win the favor of God. You will have the favor of man. You need to activate the favor of God in your life by living that kind of life. Have you heard of the phrase, favor ain't fair? We kind of say that a lot around here because favor isn't fair. If my children misbehave, I will favor the other ones who didn't misbehave. You guys have heard Joe use that example. Favor isn't fair. Do what's right and you'll be rewarded. Joseph, um, yeah, so I just didn't want to miss my point here. Do what's, yeah, so do what's right and you'll be rewarded. Do what's wrong and suffer the consequences, right? Joseph didn't get favor because he was busted and disgusted. 
He didn't, he, he carried himself a certain way. I imagine that he carried himself some type of way where he asserted himself, he worked hard, and Potiphar took notice. You have to present yourself in a mature way, present yourself as a leader who is strong, present yourself as someone who walks and follows God. You want to know why you should walk in the favor of God and man? Because promotion flows through both. If I walk in the favor of God, man can't help but favor me. If you walk in the favor of God, man can't help but favor you. And you win the Lord's favor by doing what he commands. God always promotes faithfulness. God will not bless our mess. He will bless us if we repent of that mess and confess our wrong and turn from our ways and then finally do what he commands. But he won't bless our mess. And you will not experience prosperity and promotion in your life just because you keep on purpose doing the wrong things. We have to follow God's commands. What are things that he's telling you? What are things that he's telling you right now that you need to be obeying? How can you continue to walk in love and faithfulness in your life? Love where he has placed you. Be faithful to people in your life. Be faithful to the call. Be faithful to school. You should not be getting Fs. An F for a Bible college student at SUM is like nonsense. It shouldn't be. When you walk in the commands of the Lord, peace and prosperity will follow you. Do you think Joseph lived a life like that? I absolutely do think so. You know why? Because if he wasn't living a life like that, he wouldn't have been able to resist Potiphar's wife and her advances. But that's coming. That's another point later. To be. Yeah, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't resist a Potiphar's wife in your life and not live the way Proverbs just told you to live. To be. He had success in all that he did. So Joseph experienced promotion. How and why? Because he had favor with God and favor with man. He lived upright before the Lord. And then he had success in all that he did. Potiphar could tell that the Lord was with Joseph. And that God was giving him success in everything that he did. And you should be experiencing success in all that you do. You should be successful in your grades. You should be successful on the job. You should be successful in the responsibilities, being a good steward, managing well, everything that God has put into your care. Can people say that about you? Can people look at your life and say, man, they're experiencing a lot of success from the Lord. They should. Your employer should notice you and make you his or her favorite. You should be their little pet. Remember school pets in, in class? That should be you. You should have the favor of God all over you. Come on, can people say, and can people see that the Lord is with you and see the success in all areas of your life and say, I see that the Lord is with you. Here's a promotion. I see that the Lord is with you. Here's a raise. I see that the Lord is with you. Here's a bonus. Here's a new ministry. We want you to lead it. Here are the keys to the building. We want you on the team. What? There's a reason why God's favor and the favor of man was on Joseph's life. He followed the way of the Lord like his forefathers did. He wasn't lazy. He worked hard. He was all about the grind. He worked in excellence, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He feared God. 
and he had success in all that he did. So think about that for a moment. Promotion doesn't come into your life because God is a gene in a bottle making all of your dreams and wishes come true. Promotion will come into your life on purpose. It will never come upon you by accident. You won't just stub your toe upon promotion. Promotion will happen on purpose because you worked hard for it. You were faithful. You trusted God every step of the way, even when you had to come early and stay late and nobody thanked you for it. Even when you got all A's and nobody sung your praises. Even when you felt like all you did in the church was clean toilets and change diapers. Promotion will happen on purpose because you worked hard for it and you trusted God. Even when you didn't understand why something tragic happened in your life and you felt like your whole world came to a sudden stop, promotion will come when you don't give up. You must be patient in the process and trust God in the test. When Stephanie Santoyo first started Bible college, her little brother died. Two trimesters into school, it felt like all hell broke loose over her family. But did she quit? No, she finished her race. She finished what God had called her to, and she's still running her race. When Pastor Lauren was diagnosed with cancer and began her chemo journey, she remained faithful to God, faithful to her call. She worked harder and stronger and with more vigor than 10 men put together, not on chemo. Not on chemo. Are you going to have that vigor, that strength, that dedication, that passion? She had the favor of God over her life and succeeded in all that she did in that season and God promoted her. There are no shortcuts. There are no moments that you can take and say, well, I don't feel like it. Forget your feelings. Feel them for a moment and move on. Be strong. Be mature. Meet with Jesus in your prayer closet and say, God, I want to be a mighty warrior. Whatever you do, do it all for the audience of one. I had shared a Facebook post last year and it came up on my memories yesterday. Listen to this. This is, this is original. This is mine, okay? Your posture before the Lord is more important than your position before man. But if you do the former, you'll get the latter. I'm going to read it again. Your posture before the Lord is more important than your position before man. But if you do the former, you'll get the latter. Some of you guys are still thinking about that one. I'll post it up on your, on your page. <laughs> Please do not misconstrue this message and think that I am preaching a works-based salvation. I am not talking about promotion to salvation in heaven. I am talking about promotion on earth where we will one day be rulers here. I am referring to you understanding that you must work hard for the kingdom of God and not give way to laziness if you want to see your God-given dreams come true. We know that God is with us. We know that he's not going to leave us. We know that he is for us. Live your life worthy of that. Work hard. Be successful in what God has given to you. I'm not saying that there won't be times in ministry where we're going to make mistakes. It's a part of growing. It's a part of dreaming with the Lord. And there may be things that we try in ministry that don't work. Make those mistakes. Don't make mistakes that are because of sin and your, and your lack of irresponsibility. Psalm 5.12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Come on, are you shielded with the favor of the Lord? I believe you are because he's blessing you because of your righteousness before him. 
Joseph experienced promotion because he walked in favor with God and man, and he had success in all that he did because of it. And you can too. Number three, Joseph resisted temptation. Let's read Genesis 39, verses 6 through 12. Genesis 39, 6 through 12. So Potiphar, no, oh, it's supposed to be 7 through 12 because I already read that. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Yeah, oh boy, that's trouble. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her, to, be with, to go to bed with her or even be with her. Like, he was literally avoiding her. Like, oh, there she's down the hall. Oh, I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> oh, she's over there. I'm going to go tend to the, to the horses outside. Like, literally avoiding the wicked woman. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak like the woman attacked him. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. The boy ran like flee the wicked desires of your youth. Like he put that to action. Okay. He ran as fast as he could. You can sense the fear of the Lord in his life when you read that passage of scripture. When you read that, there can be no doubt that Joseph was close to God. He knew whose he was. And he knew that the position that he had in that house was because of the Lord. And he's like, I am not going to do anything to mess this up. I was just, I had the worst family. My brothers hated me. They sold me into slavery. I was bought and enslaved, but this man brought me into his house. And I'm, I'm like the, the boss in this place. And I'm not going to have you mess that up because, first of all, he knew it was before God that he would be sinning. He said, how can I, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? When you are faced with temptation, you will be able to flee from it when you know that you will be sinning against God. I talked to you last time about living in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord will keep you from sin. The momentary pleasure, no matter how big or small you categorize your sin to be, that momentary pleasure will never be worth it. Nothing is worth your soul. Nothing is worth your calling. Nothing, no sin is worth having the, uh, like having the peace of Christ and the assurance of your faith. Come on, let's turn to 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 Timothy 2.22. I want us to read these verses. There's going to be about four of them, and I just want us to go through. I want this to sink into your heart because there have been way too many stories of Bible college students, men of God, pastors of thousands, and pastors of tens probably, 
living in hidden sin, falling short of their calling, not taking the time to work out their salvation every day with fear and trembling. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. I challenge you this morning, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. It will bless you. It will bless your future marriage. It will bless your future children. Flee today. Run like Joseph did. Run away from your temptation and sin. Avoid it at all costs. Let faith and love and peace be what your aim is for. James 1, 13 through 15. You don't have to turn there. You can write this down. Let's look at what temptation actually is in our life. And that's why in Timothy, we're told to flee from it. Flee the desire. Flee the evil desire. James 1, 13 through 15 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own what? Their own evil desire and enticed. That's why you're supposed to flee the evil desires. But temptation comes when you're dragged away by your evil desire and then you're enticed. Like it it sounds good. It sounds like, man, that'll be awesome. Because not all sin feels bad, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be tempting. Verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't you think that Joseph could have had Potiphar's wife whenever he wanted to? And Potiphar never would have known. He could have. But who do you think Joseph feared the most? Yeah, he knew God would know, and there was no way that any sin was worth that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation. Write these verses down so you could look at them later. Look at them at your whole, look at them for your entire life, not just Bible college, for your whole future ministry. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure under it. There is no temptation that can have you, ever. God will always make a way of escape for you, but you won't want the escape if you want the sin more. So you're going to want, you want God to rescue you from that. When you're faced with evil desires, flee from them. Get into call somebody, get an accountability partner, fall on your knees and start speaking in tongues and praise Jesus. Whatever you have to do, get it together. Amen. Psalm 119.11. We teach this to our children all the time. We pray this over our children. I know you guys have it memorized. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Who has that memorized? Oh, okay, we got some work to do here. Psalm 119.11, say it with me. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Let's do it one more time. Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Beautiful. Do you guys think that was fun? That's how you memorize verses. That's what I do with my children. Hide this in your heart. Love the word of God, guys. Love Jesus. Love his word. Trust his promises. He will not fail you. He will not fail you. Jesus should be the one that you want more than anything in this world. And guess what? He has pleasures for us in his right hand, pleasures forevermore. He has not called us to a life of boredom. He has not called you to a life of no fun. There is no greater way to live your life than saved, living for Jesus, being in the center of his will. When I got saved and gave my life to Jesus at 18 years old, this November, November 3rd, will be 19 years. Momentum Youth Convention. Come on, who's going to convention? 19 years I got saved at that place. And let me tell you, I've been in the most wildest ride, and I wouldn't give it up for anything. The places that I've been able to go, missions trips, the opportunities of growing as a woman, uh, dreams of marriage and family, of leadership, I would never have been exposed to this life if I did not surrender all. When I gave my life to Jesus, she was there, she knew, she was a 13-year-old little girl. I've known Lauren since she was 13, and I was 18. Yes, let that sink in for a little bit. 13, yeah, that's young, dude. And when I gave my life to Jesus, the message was all about surrender. It was about surrender. I was, I had a boyfriend who was not a Christian. I started dating him at 15, and I was 18 when I broke up with him. He was five years older than me. I was 15. He was 20. I was 18 when I broke up with him. He was 23, so he was older, which is funny because Joe's actually five years older than me now too, but I'm legal. <laughs> I'm of age. But let me tell you, yes. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> Dude, I gave up that relationship. I knew that that was not for me. I dated him from sophomore year to my first semester at Northeastern, and I went to Momentum Youth Convention, November 3rd, 2000, and the message was about surrender, and he, the, basically the altar call was, there are things in your life that you need to surrender. There are people in this room where you need to surrender something in your life that's holding you back from God, and without hesitation, I mean, this room is really big, so it's not like I went all the way down to the front. You'll see when you get there. So I, I just stood up in my chair, and I just lifted up my hands and said, God, if you don't help me do it, I won't be able to. I was desperate. That would, it, breaking up with him seemed like the hardest thing for me to do. So the, the convention was over the weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I go back home. And then I'm talking to him on the phone, and he's asking me about how it was. And then I guess I was, like, really being weird on the phone. And he said, do you want to break up? Because I feel like I'm bringing you down. Holla! I said, yes, I do want to break up. <laughs> so I didn't even have to initiate it. That was so God. Do you want to break up because I feel like I'm bringing you down? Yes. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> yes, dude, like that, like that. Never looked back. Never looked back. Jesus is worth it all. Jesus is worth it all. Oh, I love you guys. Don't you just love Jesus? Number four. 
Joseph remembered to give God the glory. Joseph remembered to give God the glory. Genesis 50, 19 through 21. There are so many leadership lessons we could learn from Joseph's life. If we sat down and kind of went through some more, you could probably come up with at least five more lessons we could learn from what he did. Genesis 50, 9 through 21. Jesus remembered to give God the glory. But Joseph said to them, this is his brothers now. Jacob has passed. His father, Jacob, he came from the land of Canaan, moved the whole family down to Goshen, which is right outside of the area of, of Egypt there, in Egypt. And his father passed, and now the brothers are, like, freaking out. They're like, ugh, maybe we should kind of say something so that he doesn't hurt us now that our dad is dead. But this is what Joseph said. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. That is so good. He was not a bitter man. He did not pity himself. He was a man full of integrity. He was a man of excellence. He gave glory to God for what had happened to him. He understood it. He saw the big picture. It made sense. But you guys know in the middle of that, it didn't make sense, but he still gave God glory. He forgot about his troubles. He forgot about his father's household. He said, God, you're still good. He helped, God helped him forget his suffering, but it all made sense now, and he gave God glory. If God would show us now what our lives would look like for the next 20 years, I don't think we could handle it. There's a reason why God doesn't give us like a video snapshot. Some of you guys are like, man, God, can you just show me a video of like the next five years? Like, what am I going to be doing? We couldn't handle it. Do you think two years before Lauren got diagnosed with cancer, if God would have said, this is, the, this is a snapshot reel of what's going to happen in the next two years, she would have been like, what? What? We couldn't handle it. Now, listen. When we walk with Jesus on a daily basis, that's why that's so important to do. When we walk with him every single day, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You have to believe that grace will come for those seasons and moments in your life where it feels like there's no way you can make it through. Grace upon grace will be released over your life to endure what God brings. The grace that God had given Lauren during that trial, was not upon her life specifically for that moment five years before that, not even five months before that. But you guys have to believe that as you're strengthening yourself in the Lord, that he is with you, his promises are yes and amen, he is not a man that he should lie, and his grace is always over your life. Today you walk in the, in the grace of God, but the measure of grace that is poured out upon us at different seasons is different. So you have to believe when you're faced with a hardship that God's grace will help see you through it. Amen? Wake up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Who has that verse memorized? Why don't we say that together? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why don't you guys stand up? Lawrence, if you could come to the keys, please. You guys can make your way to the altar.
We need Josephs to arise in this generation. I believe that's you in this room. I do. I want to believe for a, Joyce, a Joseph anointing. Yeah. From humble beginnings. Thank you, sir. From humble beginnings to a place of leadership. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't look down at the place of life that you are at right now. But as we've learned from Joseph's life, there's work to do, right? You guys have to want what God has for the future and not only just want it, but work for it today. Humble beginnings to a place of leadership. That's what Joseph experienced, and I believe that's all for you today. Why don't you guys just close your eyes right now, bow your heads, lift up your hands if you want, and just start praying. Start praying. Say, Jesus, I want to be a Joseph in this generation. Come on, I want to experience what Joseph had. I want to be bold. I want to be able to speak my dreams in the face of opposition and persecution. Come on, keep praying. Say, Jesus, no matter what comes my way, whatever opposition or persecution awaits me, some of you guys have already experienced it from your family. Keep declaring it. Be confident that God is with you. Come on. Persecution and opposition for leaving your lifestyle. Come on, Jesus is worth it. Be bold in your dream. Be bold in the call of God upon your life and speak it out no matter what. Come on, we want to be like Joseph. No matter what people say or what attacks come against us, 